As a charge nurse, you can be a confident and dynamic leader who supports the nursing team and guides their patient care. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program equips you with strategies that prepare you to manage the ever-changing realities of healthcare while maintaining focus on family support and patient outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 250 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. These days, we're all getting more screen time, which means we're also getting more blue light exposure than ever before. Too much blue light can make your eyes feel tired, dry, or blurry. It can also affect your sleep. Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at Zenni.com. And as I mentioned, we have um, a, a great man of God with us tonight. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Mark Jones with us all the way from Tampa, Florida. And he's going to be sharing with us about um, his ministry. I know you're going to be greatly encouraged, guys, because this is a ministry that is really making a difference in the world in which we live. And, you know, there are there literally is <laughs> a need for the church to be essential today. How many believe that? You know, a lot of places in the world, people are saying, oh, the church is not essential. We don't need the church. But the truth is, the church is or should be essential. The church should be essential. So we want to make sure that the church becomes essential. So thank you, guys. Please do mute yourself if you're joining right now. And we're going to be talking about the role of the church in the world um, in terms of preaching the gospel. And one of the things that I want to do is refer you to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This, of course, is the um, words of Jesus as his public ministry debuted. Um, we see here he's in the synagogue. He's quoting from Isaiah the prophet. So we're looking at Luke 4, 18 and 19, where Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, that's what most churches are doing right there. They're preaching the gospel, some to the poor, some to the rich, at least to the poor in the spirit. And but Jesus continued. He said, no, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee, of course, is when debts were canceled. It's when slaves back in those days were emancipated. They were set free. And it's also uh, a time when restoration of property occurred. So when we read this and we understand what Jesus is speaking about, it certainly involves more than just preaching and meeting the spiritual needs of people. And as I said, our guest tonight is Dr. Mark Jones from Tampa. And as I mentioned earlier, their ministry is extensively involved in making a difference, a significant impact and kingdom influence in Tampa, Florida, in actually one of the needy, uh, one of the most needy parts of Tampa, Florida. I know you're going to love his story. You're going to love the wisdom that he carries as a leader of leaders and uh, we're going to introduce uh, Dr. Mark right now. Love to just have you tell your story, because I know the Lord has taken you a long way. Love to hear the journey. Welcome to Kingdom Discipleship or Learning Community tonight, Doctor. Thank you for joining Great. us. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm thankful to be a part of this conversation tonight. Oh. So tell us about your journey. You know, you you uh, started the, this ministry, the Center for Manifestation in Tampa. How long ago was that, and how has that evolved throughout the years? 
Well, this July 15th, we'll be 20 years old. Wow. So uh, the ministry started in 2001. Uh, there were 20 of us in a literally in a storefront garage. Uh, but with a tremendous vision, it started with um, the uh, manifestation of the sons of God was the first series I ever taught. And we just started imparting an understanding of who we are as sons of God and citizens of the kingdom. Uh, so it's, it's been a, and then the, the, um, the uh, city vision and manifestation city vision uh, really took off in 2003 as we moved to East Tampa uh, and started building the work there in the community. So basically, you know, I, I never wanted to do any of this. I was a businessman. I ran a couple of casual dining restaurants and I was just used to, you know, serving our, our customers and God called me into ministry. Um, it's not something I wanted to do. Uh, it, as I say, it interrupted my life as previously scheduled. And I just committed to something that God was up to. And the rest is history. So we started in, in East Tampa in 2003 is when we landed in East Tampa. Uh, it's only our third location. We, we started uh, this process of building Manifestation City uh, with an emphasis wow. of creating spiritual training uh, platforms, uh, educational platforms, uh, creating affordable housing, and then, of course, creating jobs. And so over the last um, 18 years in this particular community, we've just been endeavoring to change lives there in our community. So that's, that's how we got started. So I, I've had the privilege to come and tour and see what's going on firsthand. Just tell us about some of the initiatives that you have launched. Okay. Well, our, of course, our main work is the spiritual training aspect. Uh, we we bought um, in in 2003. Uh, me, my wife, and 34 people bought a thousand over a thousand seat auditorium. Uh, literally, we call it an oasis in the hood. We uh, we have a now it's, it's a three and a half million dollar building now. Uh, but 36 people bought a 1.4, initially $1.4 million uh, building in the middle of the ghetto. And that's how we started. We just started with the spiritual training and development. Really, manifestation is all about helping the sons of God really come to understand who we are. It's all about identity and coming to the proper context of who we are. So that's where we started. Uh, we started developing our, our youth, uh, building out youth centers and training areas. As you know, we have separate areas where our kids are developed simultaneously. You know, they have their own church, their own sanctuaries, their own developmental areas on the campus simultaneously with uh, the adult development. And uh, from there, we just really began to do what the word says. You know, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. So we started uh, the Empowerment House, which feeds about 700 or more families a month right there. Uh, food pantry. We have uh, the clothing closet, uh, hundreds of pieces of clothing given out on a monthly basis. Um, the, the, um, we started doing referrals uh, services where people can come there to our church and get utility bills paid and get other things if they needed financial help with keeping their uh, electric or water on or some necessary services. Uh, as you know, we also have a free barbershop, free women's hair salon. So we started really meeting the needs of people right where they were. Uh, from there, we started developing out our housing portion of Manifestation City. Uh, so we, we started a a home post foster care home for those who are aging out of foster care. They come into our property. They receive a, they get a family, they get training and development to start really focusing on, um, you know, uh, what comes next in their lives as adults in a foster care system. Uh, we started the elderly men's home, which is currently full. Uh, we have a, a home for uh, homeless boys dormitory. 
we also have the Family Crisis Home. Uh, we have an adult family care center there on the on the property. And so we started building out the housing component of our city, uh, just again, meeting the needs of people that were in various crises from a housing standpoint. Uh, and then from there, we started developing the educational component. Uh, on campus, we have a high school for youth that don't fit into their traditional school system called the Bridge of Hope Teen Transition Center. Um, we also have a college, Manifest Theological Institute. And then we have a child care center uh, for uh, early development. We have three buildings there, two off campus. Uh, and then, of course, we bought a building uh, last year that we're currently expanding our educational department in. So, again, the vision is spiritual, training, housing, jobs. Our ministry employs, uh, we have 43 people that are on payroll. We have another 11 or 12 that are contractors, for example, the instructors in our college, and also individuals that work for us for various services, but are on payroll. So we employ about maybe 50, 52 people that are actually employed by our ministry. And what I love in ministry. Excuse me, seven. if you could just join the meeting, would you please mute yourself? Thank you. Would you please mute? Yeah. yeah. So what I love is that we, we do oh. ministry seven days a week, you know, seven days a week, the uh, oh. church is there and open and the ministry efforts are, are going forth. So that's, that's a little bit about our, our operations uh, <laughs> locally. And then perhaps we'll discuss uh, the international elements if we have time as well. Yeah. Excuse me, just a moment. Uh, yeah. If you guys have just joined us, would you please mute so we can not hear the background. Thank you. We appreciate it. If you would just mute. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So the, the, what you're doing uh, in Tampa, you've just described, which is amazing. Uh, gee, I mean, I couldn't keep up with it. And, you know, as, as I said, I actually had the privilege to join you and, and to tour the property and see everything there. Um, what, what has that done in terms of your impact in the community, um, the, the people that live there, what, how do they view you guys in, in the neighborhood? Well, I'm going to tell you, man, one of the things I often say to the pastors that I pastor is that if the church, if you can disappear from your community today and no one cares and no one notices, then whatever you're doing is, is uh, irrelevant. So to put it mildly, uh, our community, we are the center of our community. You wow. know, we're there. My staff is there seven days a week, uh, meeting needs. Uh, people wander into our church for prayer. They wander. They can come to the church any day of the week for food, clothing. Uh, so vital, vital services uh, where, where people are. And as you know, with everything that's been going on during um, 2020 with COVID and, and this year, the, the services have increased. People are wandering in for all kinds of uh, help and uh, all kinds of needs. So to put it mildly, uh, we, are, we are the center of our community uh, and we are needed by our community. If, if we would leave a massive void if we were no longer there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that is that what you just said right there. That is something because, you know, we talk about that. If, as you said, as a ch the church were to disappear from the community, would mm -hmm. would it make a difference? Would some people even notice? You know, it might be a year or so before some people even notice. But you guys have been in the midst of COVID nineteen. You know, um, when a lot of churches have been shut down, they've not been operating in the sense of their gatherings. You know, the worship gathering, the Sunday gathering, or whatever. Oh. You guys have been continuing in ministry, obviously, and you've not only been, you know, rioting out COVID-19, but you actually uh, have been thriving in the midst of all that. Is in, Tell us about that. I mean, how's COVID-19 um, affected, for example, you know, other ministries and churches and, and then compared to you guys? Well, uh, I'll contrast. I don't like to compare. I'll contrast. Yeah, that's, a, that's true. I get it. 
<laughs> yeah. But I, 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 you know, I'm I'm a pastor's pastor, so I'm in I'm I'm in touch with the reality that a lot of churches really struggled uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, I personally know a couple that are not reopening as a result of you know all that transpired during the pandemic. Uh, one of my major focuses during the pandemic was pastoring pastors and helping them to keep right perspective as they were walking through those those challenges. So it's been tough for a lot of people. Now, I'm going to say that what made us an exception uh, in contrast to that reality is January of January 11th of 2020, I was on a Seeking God retreat, and the Lord began speaking to me about just restructuring certain things, reorganizing certain things, hiring certain people, and getting ready for something. Didn't know what that something was. I was supposed to bring on my executive assistant pastor in June. Originally, I asked him to be ready to come into full-time ministry in June so that I could let go of operations and really focus on more apostolic work and advancing the kingdom and expansion. And the Lord spoke to me on January 11th and said, bring him on early because something's about to happen you need to get ready for. That was, that was January. I brought him on the first Monday in March. The second, the second week of March is when they announced what was going on with COVID. So, so we, there are certain things that uh, we began to do in 2019 and in, in 2020, not knowing, but God was giving us specific direction. We had shifted all of our partner communications to closed groups. We had already, by 2019, because of my son and, and the other millennials, uh, we shifted our leadership focuses to uh, online groups. So we had already made the transition so that we could maintain communications with operations staff, PR staff, leadership group, a partners group. Think about this. The same millennials that everybody was whining about, they were the ones that I listened to. And because of what they were saying, we, 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 we made the shift in 2019, not knowing what would happen in 2020. Uh, so I said I'd just say that because I heard from God on January 11th of 2020, certain strategic directions, it put us in a position sort of like Joseph, where what became a famine for essentially everyone around us really didn't become a famine for us. Um, as you know, um, I'm, I'm put it this way, our viewership during the pandemic, we had 145,000 people viewed our broadcast uh, in the first few months of the pandemic. We had people from everywhere tuning in. We had made considerable investments into our technology. So we were making sure that when people looked at the broadcast, it was nice and clear and so on and so forth. Um, we grew. I mean, our uh, we added more staff. We hired, we've hired at least 10 people in the last year. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're hiring two people now. So we've hired 10 people. Uh, we, My office stayed open through the entire pandemic. I never closed my office. Uh, we, Even though we did close some of the services down, you know, obviously, yeah. we, never, we never stopped operations. People still needed us. And I knew that it was important for the church to be there, be consistent. So we grew. Uh, January, uh, I'm sorry, June of 2020, we bought a new building. December of 2020, we bought a new building. We, we bought two buildings during the pandemic. Um, wow. Our revenue increased by several hundred thousand during the pandemic. So we, we really were uh, blessed and favored by God throughout the time. But we endeavored to not stop meeting needs in the neighborhood. We supported missions in the Philippines, in Africa, and in India all during the pandemic. So we just decided to continue to do what God directed us to do, no matter what was going on around us. That's that's So that's how we made it through. We just continue. He that observes the wind will not sow. And so we decided to not observe the wind, but to remain in tune with what God was doing, 
uh, to collaborate with God. And, you know, it's funny when we got God's vision, you got God's provision. And that's that's, that's what right. we did. So yeah. he, he he kept us through it and increased us significantly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's far powerful. throughout, I mean, the first two months of this year, we've had 30, over 30 people join our church. I mean, it's just incredible how God is just doing what he said. That's powerful. You know, it, basically, if the church is truly an essential service, mm -hmm. we're going to have to do more than just have a, a Sunday gathering or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, so in terms of what you've been doing, as you said, way before the the pandemic, you know, you, you've been ministering to the community and uh, made such an impact. So, you know, we have some leaders, some pastors that would would ask the question or maybe might uh, kind of refute by saying, well, you know what, the Jesus just wanted us to focus on spiritual things, you know, did not the apostles get caught up in serving tables and, you know, they, they basically appointed others uh, so they could give themselves to the ministry of the word of God in prayer. So tell us about how this thing, what does this thing look like on the ground? I mean, huge operations here. And, um, you know, how, how does this work uh, when you look at, you've already mentioned the staff, but, but what does that look like in terms of your role as first and foremost, as the pastor, as an apostle? Uh, how do you relate to, to all of this? Keep that balance between the ministry of the spiritual side and then the operations and, and the tangible mm -hmm. things you're doing to help people. Okay. Well, let me, let me mention this. Um, you know, John 17, 16, of course, Jesus said concerning the church, they are not of this world. So we're, of course, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now that's the spiritual reality. It is the spiritual reality that we're not of this world. So that's the first thing that you know, that we have to really get a hold of. Wherever there's a spirituality, there must be an ideological shift. So the first thing is that we've, we've got to stop believing that we are a part of this system that's going on around us, because we're not. We have to make the ideological shift that we're part of an entirely different kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians 2.10 says we are his handiwork created in Christ on the good works, which he, which God has prepared in advance. So there are things we're supposed to be focused on that God purposed for us to focus on before the foundations of the earth. So it's about understanding what those things are. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3, he says that the, that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So that means to me, that God has not only foreordained what we should be doing, but he's also foreordained our provisions. So, and I just wanted to throw that in that it's a spiritual reality that we are in the world, but we are not of this world. We are not a part of this system. So our set apartness is real important to how we idealize who we are in our communities. Now, as a visionary of manifestation worldwide, my job is to see. That's the bottom line. The job of a visionary is to see. Because if I can't see further, then my organization can't go further. So I make sure that even though I see it and I, you know, by the grace of God, I can build it, I can buy it, I can expand the vision. I'm an establishmentarian. I don't start anything to run it myself. You know, everything that I start, whether it's a ministry or a new program, I always intend that someone else in my sphere of influence is going to be the person that, that runs that area of the ministry. So essentially, I become the chief verifier. You know, my, my statement is trust but verify. So I just simply verify that all of the various works that we do are functioning according to uh, the vision. They're in alignment with the vision. They're functioning according to uh, what it is we established them for. I don't do everything. You know, as I mentioned, I have a full-time executive assistant pastor who runs operations at our church uh, five days a week. Uh, there are, We have four full-time pastors on staff. I literally have four pastors that are on staff full-time. Um, 
And then, of course, we have people who work in the various areas, the child care center, the school, the college. We have people that work in those areas that are, you know, it's a job for them. They're responsible for continuing to do the works in those areas. So it, it really is plurality of leadership. A lot of people taking a lot of initiative, which takes a humongous load off of me so that I can continue to see and uh, conceptualize what it is God is saying and where it is we're going next. You know, as you know, we're currently building a tiny house village uh, down the street from our church, yeah. three doors down. You know, we're, we're, we just got zoned and, and approved by the Board of County Commissioner uh, commissioners to tear down an existing property and build 10 tiny homes for primarily for veterans, but for homeless persons, uh, we're doing that right now. And I couldn't do that if I had to focus on operations, I couldn't focus on expansion. So as an apostle, like I say, I spent a lot of time focusing on um, where we go next. How do we continue to advance the kingdom and expand our efforts? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And and I'm so glad that you share that. You know, we say that uh, teamwork makes the dream work, obviously, and we need team. Uh, we, the Apostle Paul had a team. Jesus had a team. Mm -hmm. We see that in the scripture. Yet there are still pastors mm -hmm. out there that are under pressure, some of them because of the culture that they live in. And I'm talking about in certain places that we we go and minister overseas, there's pressure on them that the pastor needs mm -hmm. to do this, he needs to do that. And and I have unfortunately seen these guys, it's hindered the, the expansion of the church. Mm -hmm. And basically, the church has not been able to break out and be the ecclesia of God in the community. And as you said, what ends up happening is you have something crazy like COVID-19 happened. How many people saw that coming? Not many. Uh, right. and, and then all of a sudden, everything stops because... Mm -hmm you know, basically what was going on was, you know, there's some discipleship, that type of thing, but, you know, so, yeah, so we have, we have people that are part of this Zoom meeting tonight, then people that are going to watch the, the replay, um, there'll be pastors, there'll be people in the marketplace, in terms of shifting into this place, where mm -hmm. you become um, involved in the community, you bring, making an impact, and, and I really believe, by the way, just, just to, to regress, just to digress just a little bit here, the fact is, if the church was doing what you all are doing, if most churches were involved, obviously, we can't all be at that level, at that, that yeah. extent. But, you know, I think, I don't think the governments uh, in certain places would be able to just shut everything down and say, well, you're, you guys aren't essential, you know. Mm -hmm. Where, where we were in Canada, the restaurants were open, still open, the bars are open, but mm -hmm. the churches cannot meet at all. I'm talking about small groups, home groups, they can't do anything. Uh, but because many of the churches, uh, unfortunately, have, have not made that impact. And, and that is something that we need to really be honest about. What, what, are we doing to really impact our community? So mm -hmm. I know you've learned some things along the ride and the journey. Um, what are some some takeaways, some principles that as leaders that we can learn about how to impact our community mm -hmm. this way? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful that we're having this conversation on kingdom economics because that's the first thing we have to really begin to conceptualize is that the kingdom has its own economy. Yeah, you know, right. during a time of the famine in Egypt, okay, uh, Joseph was a part of the whole process, as you know. Yeah. Joseph wasn't in a famine That's because right. he had wisdom from the king. Amen. And yeah. so in essence, that's kingdom. He had, he, he had wisdom, he had insight, he had instructions, and that made him an exception to what was going on. That made him prosper when everyone else around him was uh, suffering in poverty. So the only difference, you know, there people say, well, it's because, you know, I'm in Africa or because I'm in this. And they, no, it's not. As you know, Glenn, 
our church is in the middle of the ghetto. Right. We are literally sandwiched between Jackson Heights and Belmont Heights, which are housing projects. We are in low income area. Right. But that's just where the building is. That's not where our mentality is. Come on. You now. see, so Come as on. you know, our we are we are an oasis in the hood, you yeah. know, as I say. So that's how we've been able to conduct multi-million dollar ministry in the middle of the ghetto because there is no famine in the kingdom. There is no shortage in the kingdom. So some things I really hope that our leaders will conceptualize is that the kingdom has its own economy, okay? And as every economy has currency, faith is the currency of the kingdom. God is not moved by the needs of the churches. God is moved by the faith of the churches. So that's the first thing we got to understand is that God is concerned about need, but it's not need that moves God. It's faith that moves God. You know, we must also second. Introducing Venture X, Capital One's new travel card for people always asking. Where next? You earn 10X miles on hotels and rental cars and 5X miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. I understand that, as I said, there are no famines in the kingdom. Our, our organization, Glenn, has been 20 years debt-free. 20 years fiscally debt-free. Wow. 20 years of revenue growth because there are no famines in the kingdom. There are no shortages in the kingdom or there's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of resource. There's only ignorance as to how to obtain it. So really the issue is wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. Okay. You know, you think about all of the billionaires that have thrived during the pandemic. Uh-huh. See, so that tells me there is no money issue there is only a wisdom issue. So we need to understand that. We need to also understand that the king owns everything and he has the right to redistribute it wherever he wants. There really is a king in the kingdom. And then we have to see ourselves as steward. Here's the number one thing God is looking for, no matter what's going on. Second, Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. And here's what he's looking for. Someone who is loyal to him. All he wants is someone who will be loyal and committed to what he's doing. So those are some things that I believe if we can really conceptualize them, they'll put us in a a really exceptional uh, position. We have to also make sure we keep our confessions perfectly in alignment with our expectation. That's real important. You know, I never forget back in 2008 when uh, I watched CNN and CNN said, We're going into a recession. I was watching the television and I heard the Lord say, don't you let my people believe that. I went to church that Sunday and I started a series called God's Financial Bailout Plan. And I told the church, I said, the the CNN said, we're going into a recession, but God says we have the power to opt out. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to give, and it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That was 2008. The recession was 2008 to 2012. In 2008, our revenue increased by almost $60,000 in the recession. In 2009, 10, 11, and 12, our revenue increased by six figures every single year of the recession. But so did our missions given. You see, we we sow a seed at the very threat of need. We sow a seed because he that observes the wind will not sow. So because we knew we were tapped into a different economy, we kept right on doing what the king said. He said, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. So that's what we did. We, we, built, we built, I think, 15 churches during the recession from 2008 to 2012, we built, I think, about 10 or 15 churches in India in Hindu villages where the gospel has never been preached. God never had a shortage of resources. It's just that, again, the world, America, let's just deal with our country. 
people were being conditioned to expect that things are going to get bad. And because that's what they expected, that's what they experienced. Your experiences will always align with your expectations. I never expected to lack. I never thought for a moment that God's will was that we would not be able to do what God told us to do. Right. You see, so these are some things that that really we have to begin to, to conceptualize if we're going to continue to operate in, in a kingdom flow, we got to make sure that we have our mind, the right mindset in order to uh, continue to prosper no matter what the conditions are, are around us. You know, think of it. What good are keys if we don't use them to open doors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what good a key? What good are keys if we don't actually use those keys? So those are some things that I believe uh, that we can we can take away from this in, in this kingdom economics impartation. I really do believe. And I want to say this last thing. When it comes to people, God is looking for ministers. God is looking for people who serve people. Okay. So when it comes to people, God is looking for ministers. When it comes to economics, God is looking for managers. So there's a difference between leadership and management. And we really need to be both. In this season of the church, we have to be leaders and managers. That's great. Yeah, so you talked about wisdom from God. Mm -hmm. You know, you referenced Joseph, for example. So Mm -hmm. uh, strategy, God gives strategy. You know, I love when Paul talked about waging warfare through the prophetic. And one of the things it says in the original Greek is that you might wage a good warfare. And the Greek literally means a strategic warfare. Mm-hmm. And uh, let, let's just talk about that. Where, where, when you are challenged with something, I mean, ha- what happens when you know, all of a sudden God, you just say, okay, we're going to do this. You're, you're the right. visionary. You're the one who sees. Okay. Tell mm-hmm. us about that process. How, what does that look like? Well, I'll give it a, uh, that's a good example. First of all, I don't believe most leaders are prayed for at the level of their vision. In other words, their assignments are up here and the intercession is down here. So the first thing that we have to do is we got to make a fundamental shift, get people that really know how to pray. And and they have to have, they've got to have our ideas. They've got to know what we're working toward. They've got to be involved from a spiritual standpoint. So that's the first thing is that we have to shift and raise the walls of intercession to match the level of the calling of spiritual leaders. Now, we I fully expect resistance. Resistance is a confirmation. I call it the confirmational no. For example, you know, um, as you know, we own a property that we used for many years now. For several years, we've used to house ex-felons who are coming out of prison. So they, you know, so to end recidivism. Uh, well, that property. The person that owned it told me no for 15 years. 15 years, I asked them to buy that property. They told me no, but I knew no means nothing when God has said something. So long story short, they decided they were going to sell the property, not put it on the market. They were going to sell it discreetly. For some reason, they didn't want the church to have it. But but God saw fit that the realtor that list that actually started the process was a member of my leadership team. So <laughs> we ended up getting that property. Wow. I had another property that the lady told me from 2003 to 2009, she would not sell me the property. She said, pastor, she said, this property is my retirement. She said, I'm going to rent it until the day I die. Wow. I asked her every month. I, I spoke to her as if she never told me no. I didn't believe her. See, I said, if you didn't want me to have it, you should have said that before I anointed it with oil and walked around it because I'm sorry, it now belongs to me. So I asked her in faith every month. And then one day I was sitting in my office in 2009 and my phone rang and it's that woman. She says, Pastor, you still want to buy my property? I said, like yesterday, we bought that property in three weeks. And it's now one of the hubs of our educational department. It's our VPK center. Again, it meets a critical need in the community. It's a it's a, a stream of income. Okay, uh-huh. so we have so many stories. We have pro- we own property that the city used to own and wouldn't sell to the neighbors. 
neighbors came over and asked me, they said, hey, you own that property? And I said, yeah. Said, I thought the city owned that property. And I said, they did until I walked around it. But <laughs> wheresoever the soles of my feet shall tread, that have I given unto you. And literally, Glenn, the city sold us property they wouldn't sell yeah. to our neighbors. So yeah. over and over again, we've seen the hand of God move because we believe that we were doing something. This is the key. I'm only doing what God was up to. And all I'm doing is what God was up to. This was, None of this was my idea. You see, you don't decide your purpose. You discover your purpose. And what we've discovered is our purpose in our community. And that's the key, really, to being able to, to per persevere through all of the adversity, the no's. You know, I had one property now where we, matter of fact, where we're building the tiny house village right now. Um, I had the owner call me because I had been communicating with him about buying it. He says, you still want to buy the property? I said, yes. He said, well, I want you to know another, another leader came to me about buying it. I said, what is he going to do with it? He said, nothing. He just doesn't want you to have it. So that's the kind of adversity we've experienced. Now, long story short, we still own the property. We still own the property. We're now building the tiny house village for uh, homeless persons. No means nothing when God says something. And whenever there are, you know, threats or, you know, maliciousness going, it never works. It never works because, again, they find themselves fighting against God. This was not my idea. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, when we when we're talking about this and I love what you said, you know, you you don't uh, determine your your future, but you discover it words to that effect. Um, so Jesus in John 5, 19, he didn't do the son did nothing of himself, but he only did right. what he saw his father doing. That's powerful because when you really see what God is doing, and this is what I believe, you know, we know it says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we, we omit the latter part of that verse, which says, according to the power that works in us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's this power, the power of the Holy spirit that is working in mm -hmm. us. And I, I believe that we, we don't set the bar high enough, high enough at all and when we do, you know, start dreaming, when we start to say, okay, Lord, you, you want to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all I could ask or think, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we begin to hear from the Lord. We begin to tap into that and we understand clearly what it is that he's saying to us. And, and obviously mm -hmm. God has a, has a massive vision. He has a massive vision. So let's just take a, a just a few minutes, um, Mark, and I'd just love to hear from some of the people that are on the call here's what i'm going to do guys we're going to give you an opportunity maybe three or four people um to ask a question okay to ask uh dr mark a question and what i would like to do just so we can stay on top of things and be sensitive to time is just ask a question okay we don't need to be telling our stories tonight that's not what this is about uh we just ask the question what is it that you would like to ask Dr. Mark pertaining to the topic tonight? Kingdom economics, prospering in the midst of famine, um, you know, that type of thing. Is there someone that you have a question that you would like to ask? Would you please just go ahead and do that? You can raise your hand. You can ask the question. All right. Okay, I know somebody you have a question. Let's just, if not, that's okay. <laughs> There's been a lot of uh, brilliant information shared here tonight, guys. And I know we're going to keep that going. Is there somebody else? You have a question. Glenn, let me share this while they're yeah. they're uh, formulating their questions. Mm -hmm. I just want to I want to really press home with the leaders. Is there's a scripture in Psalm that says concerning Israel that they sinned against God in that they limited the Holy One of Israel. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Think about this. 
limiting God is a sin. Yeah. So one of the things we have to do is we got to take the limits off of God. We've got to take the limits off of God. And we we've got to we got to understand it's pretty simple. What is God up to? Mm-hmm. What is God up to? Because one of the things I've learned in walking with God is God will always support what he's up to. That's so right. it, so we got to be able to discern what is God doing? And then whatever we're doing, we got to b- abandon that to make sure that our work and our efforts are in alignment with mm-hmm. God's purpose for us being uh, in the communities or, you know, he determines the bounds of our habitation. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. I believe that God, uh, when God sees the condition of a people, for example, in the book of Exodus, God saw the oppression of his people, that they were under the hardship of taskmasters. So God's answer for oppressed people is leadership. God mm-hmm. sends Moses. God's yeah. answer for oppression. Yeah. God's answer for oppression is leadership. Yeah. He sends someone to the people who doesn't have the same mentality as the people. And so Moses is able to bring them out because he's thinking like someone who is supposed to be a king. And that's the difference. It's a different mentality. Yeah. You see, so those, those, that's pretty critical. Powerful. And that's what leaders are. Leaders are a people of a different mentality. So one of the questions here is, um, to ask you if you can share more about faith as the currency of kingdom of the kingdom and, and about, you know, our confessions, if you wanted to just elaborate on that some more. Absolutely. Well, the, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Of course, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says the evidence of things that are not seen. So faith is substance. Substance, you know, is a real thing. So in essence, faith is not just believing that something exists. Faith is actually substantive. It is the spiritual material of what we are expecting to be manifest in the natural world. It is a real thing. Now, it also, Hebrews 11 also says in verse 1 that faith is evidence. I want you to think about this. So you go to court and you're a witness. You know, I'll be in court next week. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm a witness to uh, a person's situation. Well, one of the things that they bring out, for example, if someone robbed the store, they bring out a video and they said, the video is evidence that this person robbed the store. Evidence is proof that something has already happened, not proof that it's going to happen. So if faith is evidence then the very fact that you have faith means that what you're believing for has already happened. Mm-hmm. So see this faith is transactional. Faith is not faith is not ideological. Faith is transactional. We are literally spending it through in our expectation. So faith is in essence the currency of the kingdom. It's not ideological, it's transactional. It's not theological, it's transactional. See, and really what it comes down to is faith in its rawest form is, is totally believing God's definition of everything. That's the bottom line is if God says this is what it is, no matter what you see, believe this is what it is. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Great, great. So another question, um, how do you, how do you find um, the team members you need? How do you you know, you get all this stuff going on. Where did the leaders come from? What was the process? You know, I have, a, I have over 100 people on my leadership team. And in our church, we have identified, you know, there's more than one apostle ordained in our church. We have apostles, literally a school of prophets, a school of evangelists. The evangelists are currently working on Easter production. Uh, that last time they did this in how in uh, October, 63 souls came to Christ in our church from the production from our evangelists. Um, we have ordained teachers. Now, I said all that to say this. You don't find these people. You make them. There you go. <laughs> you don't find them. I have spent I have spent years developing leaders every single Sunday morning. 
for six years, I developed leaders. And then yeah. now, every first Saturday at 9 a.m., I develop leaders. I keep sharpening the saw. I, and then I keep the, I keep adding people to our leadership team. We have an entirely another level of people in our church called leaders in training. These are people that haven't been assigned leadership responsibility, but we're in, inculcating leadership values before they're given leadership positions. So the answer is you don't find these people. Uh, you you make them. You you build them. You got to labor to build this kind of people. Yeah. Well, intentional. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And another time we'd love to have you come back and talk about maybe the process, how you actually um, mm -hmm. develop and make leaders. That would be a great topic for Absolutely. the kingdom learning community as well. Uh, mm -hmm. One more question here is, and, and I think you've kind of answered this, at least you've touched on it, but um, it says, how do you, or how do you get confirmation about the vision you have? So I'm assuming that means with with other people and and um, or maybe it's referring to personal confirmation too that it is indeed the will of the Lord. But you can touch on both of those, I'm sure. Okay. Well, first of all, as I said earlier, I didn't want to do this. Hmm. This was not my idea. So I really do believe that if I'm in prayer, for example. And the Lord begins to speak to me about a certain idea or a certain concept or to uh, create something. Um, I, I'm not going to insult God by asking a whole bunch of people whether they think this is God or not. I'm just not going to do that because I believe that the very fact that he put it upon my heart means that this is the will of the Lord. So I just really believe, you know, we, we should believe this. We've left our lives as previously scheduled. Many of us have come. I gave up a career to come into full-time ministry. So I don't right. belong to me. I belong to the Lord. Uh, I don't have anything else to do with my life other than his will. So I believe my steps are being ordered by the Lord. So I say that to say, whoever asked that question, if you know you've surrendered your life, you've given up your life as previously scheduled, you know, by faith, Believe you hear God and then act on yeah. what you believe you heard. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So believe that as you make this decision, these are ordered steps. Yeah. He opens doors no man can close. He closes doors no man can open. Yeah. So God will, God will guide you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, Romans 8.14 says. So just believe God, God has no delight in your confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God doesn't want you to be, you know, in ambiguity. Ours is the God of specifics. So at some level, you just believe, I heard from God. I'm moving on what I believe. I heard, I, I believe this to be the will of the Lord. If it's not, he'll tell me, but I'm moving on it. So yeah. I don't, I don't require, uh, <laughs> I don't require. Now, you know, it's good to have a prophet, you know, or someone say, hey, here's what I saw. That's wonderful. But I believe that should always confirm something we heard from God already. Why would God tell you more about my life than he tells me? That's right. <laughs> Come on now. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, we have different paradigms and different uh, systems of governance and polity and churches. And some of them are like the pastor. It, it really, especially an apostle who receives visionary, who receives blueprints. And then we have the, you know, boards that try to shut that down and everything so you know the answer to that question is you got to get out of that structure because it will make the word of god of none effect and mm -hmm. and so you know that's important but you know when you when you have been in a place we have people some people are just go for it step out in faith mm -hmm. and do it and then we have other people who have been uh, they've stepped out before and it seems mm -hmm. that they failed and so there's this fear of failure what if, yeah. but you touched on that, you know, you said that God will let you know. And I really believe that because Jesus said in John 7, 17, if anyone wills to do the will of my father, he will know, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's that sense. If you really, our heart's desire is deep down within is to do the will of God, to, right. to do only his will, like Jesus, right. he's, he's, he's a good father. He's going to keep us from going mm -hmm. down the wrong path. So I just wanted to sh share that with, with 
any everyone yeah. is out here as well. Yeah, he, has, he, has, he has a vested interest yeah. in us in us knowing his voice and and bringing us to where he's purposed to bring us. He's he really is vested in us. We just got to come to believe that that is the case. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. Thank you so much. Well, um, Dr. Mark, thank you so much for your time. I'd love to have you just pray. You know, um, you there's many people here, I'm sure, that have been greatly encouraged. The comments are coming through the chat very much. Uh, been a very productive night and what you've shared. We're going to make this video available. Some of you, I know, will want to go back and listen to this again. Take notes if you have not done so already. Uh, but thank you for joining us. So before we go... Just uh, a reminder that next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, we have Pastor Kevin Forlong is going to be sharing on moving into basically your sweet spot, your flow. Mm -hmm. And I know that's going to be a great time. It's on Zoom as well. So just message me if you're interested in being part of that. You already um, you're not you've not been part of our training sessions. Also, you can go to our, our um, Kingdom Learning Community or Kingdom Discipleship Community Facebook group and join that as well. So, uh, Dr. Mark Apostle, um, would you just pray for whatever the Lord has put on your heart? And let's just impart that and pray that um, to everyone who's part of this meeting tonight. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Father, we just come before you now in Jesus' name, thanking you that your word says in Galatians 6, 9, that we should not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So I just come before you, and I, I, I thank you for those who are on this training session tonight. We just cancel the assignment that the spirit of weariness yeah. has brought into the lives of many that are trying to discern yeah. and ascertain the will of the Lord for yeah. this next season of their life. You said there would be an all-out assignment in the last days that the enemy would endeavor to wear out the saints. Yes. So I just pray in the authority of Jesus' name that you would break the spirit of weariness off the hearts and minds of these leaders. I pray that you would give fresh vision and wisdom and understanding. Father, we want to be like the sons of Issachar. We want to understand the times and know what Israel must do. So we ask that you would loose wisdom and give these leaders dreams and visions and revelations of how to align themselves with what you purpose to do in this next season of kingdom ministry. Now we cancel the assignment of the enemy that comes with oppression and depression and worry and stress and fear and anxiety and everything that is meant to, to dampen yes. uh, the resolve of those who are endeavoring to walk with you. We rebuke the devourer. We ask in Jesus' name, Father, that you would favor a people that are endeavoring to be in alignment with your will. We thank you that greater is yet to come. Thank you that our best days and our blessed days are not behind us, but they are ahead of us. Now, Father, I pray that you position these leaders for the end time transfer of wealth. You delight in the prosperity of your servants. And I pray that you would begin to manifest the resources to take yeah. this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth, to raise up, train up, and develop those who are found. I pray that you would follow once again Visit your people with your presence and power, signs, wonders, and miracles, demonstrations of the Spirit's power in the midst of your people. Now, Father, we thank you. You're a good God. You're a good God. You're merciful, and you care for everyone that is on this training class tonight. You've not forgotten them, and I pray that you would visit them in very demonstrative ways to let them know that you still have a plan and a purpose for each one of their lives. You've not changed your mind, and you've anointed them above the principalities and powers that are binding the minds of those in the regions that they are in, Father, and that you are in. You've yes. inserted them into these geographic locales. You've inserted them into this generation to make a mark and to make a difference uh, in uh, the arenas that they're in. So we thank you. We honor you. We praise you for all that you have done and all that you purpose to do in the lives of your people. Yeah. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Yes, Lord, thank you. And Father, I just thank you that you said if we lack wisdom, we can ask of you and you are going to yeah. give it to us liberally. And Lord, you not you don't look down on us. You don't despise us. You, you don't uh, disdain, uh, show disdain towards your people, Father. We acknowledge that we are a needy people. We acknowledge, Father, that we need your wisdom. We need your strategy. Yes. We need to know how to do the things that you've called us to do. We need to know what to do, but we need to know how to do it. So I pray, Lord, for you. I pray for your servants. I pray for your, your kids that are part of this call tonight. I just declare in Jesus' name, revelation and wisdom, Lord, as they, mm -hmm. as they begin to look to you and trust you, Lord, and dream, Father, and call out to you. I pray for open doors. I pray for opportunities. And I just declare in Jesus' name, Father, that you would cause your people to take roots in you, take root in your kingdom, Father, and bear much fruit for the glory of your name, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for your faithfulness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, well, thank you, everybody, for joining uh, us tonight. Uh, bless you all. We will put the video in the Facebook group. If you're not part of that and you'd like to, you can private message me and I can add you to that group as well. Um, thank you guys for tuning in for wherever you are in the world. There's people from all over, from Africa, from Asia, from Australia, from New Zealand, from North America as well. Bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Next Tuesday, 9 p.m., join us again. And we're going to take a break for a while. But thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark Jones, for being our guest tonight it was uh, it was just brilliant what you shared it was very practical as well that's what i love about you looking forward to seeing you soon too sir yes sir <laughs> we must okay all right thank you everyone bless you have a great day great evening wherever you are in the world bless you <laughs>